So this morning, um, we're going to continue our series in Ephesians. We started it last week. Pastor Craig brought uh, the first half of an extremely long uh, sentence from an opening sentence from this letter that Paul wrote. I want to start uh, my message this morning by reading you something that I read this morning, and it was really encouraging and inviting. And man, after the worship team saying inviting the presence of God this morning, it was just beautiful. And that's why we gather. We gather because we want to experience God, right? We want to have this life-changing encounter with Him. And so I want to read for, for you from one of my little devotional books, um, prayer books. So it says this. It's, a, it's a, a prayer for all of us. So let's pray this together. Oh God, prepare us through the active presence of your Spirit to come before you worthily and to ask of you rightly, enlighten our understanding, purify our every desire, quicken our wills into instant obedience to your word, strengthen every right purpose, direct this hour of worship to the magnifying of your name and to the enduring good of us, your children and your servants. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. That, yeah, I, this week preparing this message has been so much fun and so daunting at the same time because I read our, our verse for the week and it's just a really, 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 really long sentence. And it just keeps going and Paul comes up with new ideas. He's like, oh, another thing and writes it down. And he's another thing and writes it down. And just it never ends this sentence, but it's a beautiful thing. And it's even crazier because in Greek, the whole first chapter of Ephesians is one sentence. Paul just goes and doesn't stop. And that's okay. He's really excited because this church is doing really well. The the church in Ephesus was a very healthy church. This is one that, that Paul helped plant. And so he knows these people. He knows their history. He knows their families. He knows the transformation that they've gone through. And he's really excited. And if you weren't here last week, I'll try to catch you up. Uh, do a brief summary of what Pastor Craig talked about last week, give you a little bit of context into the book of Ephesians. Paul is the author. He uh, was a disciple of Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus, changed his life around. He no longer persecutes Christians, but he is probably the most prolific and uh, amazing evangelist that, that we know and we look to because he planted so many churches and had such a drastic and I don't even know the word, drastic life transformation. So he's writing to this church in Ephesus. Ephesus is in current day Turkey. So it's right there. It was right on the water. A lot of uh, trading went on. So there was a lot of different people from East Asia that would come over, a lot of people from Greece and Rome. Um, And so there's just a lot of, of different groups of people there. And so with a lot of different groups of people, you have a lot of different theologies and a lot of different ways of worshiping. Some people worshiped Artemis. Some people worshiped other Greek gods. And then you have the Jews that worshiped Yahweh or God. And so the church in Ephesus was primarily Gentile converts. You hear the words Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles are basically just not Jews. They're anybody who worshiped another god or anybody who didn't worship a god. They just were not Jews. So when we say Gentiles, that's who we're talking about. Um, But the Gentile Christians 
had not been informed of Jewish upbringing. They hadn't heard the stories of how God saved Israel. And so Paul, in his letters to these churches, and specifically to the church in Ephesus, was trying to convey the power of God to them. And Paul's letter is extremely optimistic, considering the circumstances that he's facing, because he's writing from prison. He's in prison because he was preaching the gospel of Jesus. And I am thankful that I get to preach the gospel of Jesus and not get thrown into prison, because that would stink. So, (laughs) and last week, Pastor Craig gave us a memory verse, so I want to start out by saying this together um, before we get into the, the scripture for today. So let's say this together. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Yeah, so we're going to go over this every week. Pastor Craig's going to have this every week, and we're going to try to apply this to our lives. It's something that we can repeat, we can memorize, and we can remember that we are to be tender-hearted and forgive each other the way that Christ has forgiven us. It's very hard to forgive. Very hard, and I think we can all agree on that. When something happens to us, it's really hard to extend forgiveness. But forgiveness is essential to growing in our relationship and growing in any relationship. So I'm going to start out by, we're going to go through the entire passage, and then we'll go back to the beginning, and I'll pick apart and kind of pick these verses to explain them a little bit to you. So let's read this. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the power towards us who believe. According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he put all these things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right. So that's our scripture for today. So I probably paused too many times for Paul's liking, but that's okay. It helps us to understand it. But let's unpack this here. Paul starts out, well, he continues. He continues the second half of this greeting to the church in Ephesus. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith, because he has heard. So he knows the church. He helped plant the church. He knows that the life transformation that has happened within these people and within this congregation. But still, having not been there for three-ish years, he left and went on to plant other churches. But word still gets around that the church in Ephesus is extremely healthy. They're doing really well. They, they love the saints. They love the Lord. And he hears about this. The, their reputation goes before them. He says, I do not cease to give thanks to you, thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Whenever Paul prays, he spends time with God. He remembers the church in Ephesus. He remembers his friends and these, these people that he ministered to, the, 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 the sins that they were held in once 
are no longer because they are alive in Christ. But more than that, though, he specifically prays for the church. He prays that more people would come to know Jesus through the way that they're acting and through the way that they're experiencing God. I love the way that the New Living Translation puts it. It it says, I pray for you constantly. Paul prays for this church constantly. And that's not to say that the only thing that he ever did was pray. He he was active. He went out and, and taught and he preached and he went and planted churches and he got in trouble and went to prison. And then he went and planted more churches. And he said, nothing is going to stop me from preaching the gospel. But when I pray, I remember you and I pray for you constantly. And that's beautiful. I think we've all been in a situation where we've probably prayed a lot more fervently and a lot more uh, drastically and intently when we want something or when God, we expect God to, to show up and provide and get us out of this bad situation. And, and we pray a lot. And so a lot of us have been in that place where we're praying constantly. I know when, when my boys were born, when Lindy was in the hospital, I was praying for them constantly. Before they were born, during the whole uh, time of waiting, and we're, we're praying for these boys constantly. And we still are. Please pray for us. Our, we have two boys under two, and just yesterday, Dax hit his head and his bruise, and it's awesome. So he's a little boy. But, you know, we pray constantly, and Paul prays constantly for this church because they are close to his heart. And this is what he prays. He prays that the Lord of our, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. How many of us would like a spirit of wisdom? We, yeah, we all need wisdom. Gosh, making decisions, hard. It's a really hard thing. But when we have a spirit of wisdom, wisdom here is, is less of a book knowledge, and it's, it's less of just having wisdom, but the ability to make wise decisions. To, to make wise decisions. This comes from experience, and it comes from going through difficult times and learning from mistakes. We would say that somebody who gives good advice is somebody who's wise. When we go to an accountant, we go to them for advice because they know, they've experienced, they have experience, they can give good advice. Lydia and I, uh, when we need advice on either parenting or maybe what house to buy or, or what's a good car to get, we, we have somebody that we go to. And typically we go to my father-in-law, her dad. He's an extremely wise individual. He's had a lot of experience in life and he's somebody that we look up to. He's somebody in our life that we see as extremely wise. We want to learn from him. And we all have somebody in our life like that who is very wise. And you might be somebody who's wise in someone else's life. But the Bible says that we're given a spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit helps guide our decisions and convictions in order that we can make wise decisions. And this is the helper that Jesus said that we will have. When, when I send the Holy Spirit as a helper, the Holy Spirit is going to help guide our decisions and convictions in order that we can make wise decisions. The next word I want to point out here is revelation. The Greek word that Paul uses is apocalypsis. And we would think of apocalypses as the apocalypse, right? And how many, how many of you have heard of the of apocalypse, right? It's like the end of the world, right? It's the worst. But... Um, no, this isn't what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about receiving some uh, end times, end of the world catastrophe vision. He's, he's talking about 
receiving a knowledge, an open, the knowledge of the open secret of God's saving power in your life. So revelation isn't an end times vision. It is a knowledge of how God is working in your life. So that's what revelation means here. It's, it's a knowledge of God's active activity in your life. In other words, Paul's praying that the church would recognize God's presence in their lives and the way that God is moving and transforming their lives. His power can change us and transform us. The Word of God can transform our lives and open our eyes to the gift of salvation that God offers. And that's why we're here this morning. That's why we gather at church, is because we want to experience God. We want to experience this this transformational power that we don't have on our own, but because God loves us, He freely gives it. And so we, that's why we gather. That's why we gather as the church. And that's why we sing of God's presence being here with us this morning. And that's why we lift up His name, because He's the name above every other name. The next word, the final word on this slide I want to point out is knowledge. So we've talked about wisdom, and a lot of the times wisdom and knowledge go hand in hand. We say, if you're wise, you must be knowledgeable. Knowledge is more than just book smarts. You, you can read something and, and have the knowledge of it, but, but the word that Paul uses for knowledge here entails something deeper. It's an experienced knowledge. It's a superior knowledge. It's a knowledge that you gain through experience only. And so when you when we read this again, we could say that Paul prays for the church, that the God of our, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give us a spirit of wisdom and ex- superior knowledge, wisdom and superior knowledge, so that we would be able to understand the open secret of God's salvation within us because we've experienced it for ourselves firsthand. So that is a lot longer than just saying this, and so I'm glad he didn't say that because it would have made the sentence a lot longer too, but it makes it so powerful. When we pick apart these words, we can read the wisdom, revelation, and knowledge, but to know that the ability to make wise decisions, a superior knowledge, because of the way that we have encountered God. And so he goes on to say, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. This is more of a, open the eyes of my heart, Lord because I want to see you. I want to see you all around me. I want to see the ways that you're working in the lives of those around me, and I want to see the way that you're transforming the lives of those around me, but I also want to see the way that you're transforming me. Just the other week, I was talking with Pastor Craig, and, and I said, you know, when I graduated and I got my degree, or even when I got ordained, I didn't feel much different and Pastor Craig said, you know, I knew, Pastor, I knew you, I knew Pastor Kramer as a high schooler, and I wouldn't have hired Pastor Kramer as a high schooler. <laughs> that means there's, there's transformation that's happened. I might not see it myself right away, but looking back, oh my gosh, we've all grown. We grow in Christ, and we tr- we're transformed almost daily when we follow Jesus. having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that we would understand the blessings that are ours in Christ, that our understanding would grow as our experiences increase. The more we have an encounter with God, the more we will 
be able to say, yes, this is the heart of God. This, I, I more clearly, not all the way yet, but I more clearly see the heart of God right now. I more clearly experience his love. And I, I'm, I'm starting to understand that, that God's love is unconditional, that there's nothing I can do that will make God love me less. God still loves me, and he wants what's best for me. And it's, it's my opportunity right now to turn from my own desires, to have my heart enlightened to the things that God is doing around me, so that we would know the hope to which he has called us the hope to spend eternity with Jesus. Eternal life with God, this is the hope of glory. When Christ appears and we also appear with him and spend eternity with him. And so often we feel hopeless. The world seems like it's hopeless. But we know that there is a hope that we have. We, we have a hope in Jesus because Jesus has defeated sin and death forever and he calls us to love him, to turn from our sinful ways, and to serve him. And that is our hope, that when we do that, when we allow God to work in our lives, that we would be transformed, that we would have this hope. And even when we feel hopeless, we can know that we can call out to God, and he will hear us. Jesus answers our prayers. He hears our prayers, and he knows what we're experiencing. God has, God came as man so that he would know what it's like to be human, to know what it's like to hunger and to thirst and to be tempted and to, to mourn and to celebrate. God experienced that so that he can know what we feel, and he does. He knows our situations, and he will provide and bring us through difficult times. And next, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And last week, Pastor Craig in the first half of this chapter, Paul writes about our inheritance when, when we come into glory with God and we spend eternity with him. And I think this is so beautiful. The riches of God's glorious inheritance in the saints. This is saying that God's desire and his inheritance, God's inheritance, the creator of the universe who created everything, his inheritance is to spend eternity with his children. And that's so beautiful. God looks forward to enjoying eternity with us. He looks forward to it. That's something that we look forward to spending eternity with God. This is God's possession, his holy people. And when he finally takes possession of his inheritance, his people will share in the full revelation of his glory. His people will share in the inheritance of God. Because our inheritance is eternal life spent with God. And God's inheritance is eternal life spent with his children. It's a mutual desire of God and his people to spend eternity together. And is that a beautiful thing? That's good news. That's amazing. And finally, the power towards us who believe. The power towards us who believe. The, whole, the Bible says that we will receive power in Acts you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive a power that can't be compared to anything else. Our power in Christ enables us to be a servant of the gospel. The world says that power comes with money, 
or with being able to rule or tell people what to do. Dominating, that's power. That's what the world says. But Jesus says power doesn't come from ruling or dominating. Power comes from serving others and being a servant of the gospel. Jesus says with the help of the Holy Spirit that we possess the power to cast out demons, the power to heal the wounded, the power to speak confidently, and the power to, and the power that's beyond our comprehension in Ephesians 3. But where there is great power, there's great responsibility, right? Yeah, it's true. Where there's great power, where we receive the power that God has given us, there is great responsibility. We cannot use this for our own selfish gain. We can't use this for selfish intentions. It's our responsibility as followers of Jesus to serve the Lord, to serve others. It's our responsibility to love as Jesus loved and to humble ourselves and become servants. To proclaim the message of Jesus and to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice that's pleasing to God. It's our responsibility to care for those in need, the orphans and the widows and those who are sick and hurting and healing and those who are in jail or in the hospital and those who are hungry and outcasts. In church, if you hear nothing else today, hear this. It's our responsibility to be Jesus to the lost. This is our responsibility. This is what Jesus gives us this power, and we receive power when the Holy Spirit lives within us, and and what we need to do with that power is to be Jesus to the lost. That's what what good is power if you're not going to use it? What good is this power if we're not using it for the glory of God? Amen. Paul goes on to say, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. The same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father is the same power within, is, that's within us who believe. Paul emphasizes that the same power that raised the crucified Christ is within us right now. This immeasurable greatness of God's power within those of us who believe is astounding. And it's important to note that a large concern in ancient times was the power over supernatural forces and the ability to kind of manipulate that through magic. There would be people who would try to perform magic in order to prove that they had power or to prove that they had connection to gods that weren't Yahweh. They, They tried to use power to dominate people. But again, Jesus says, this isn't the way that we're supposed to use power. We are supposed to serve. They tried to manipulate people by using otherworldly powers, using magic. But the power of the living God in Christ defeated all competing powers. We see this in the Old Testament where God continues to prove himself to be more powerful than all these other Egyptian gods. And Christ did that as well. And the same way that God completely filled Christ, Christ completely fills the church. And we as the church have been empowered to make Jesus known to all the world. This is the power that we receive. 
And Jesus is seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly places. And the, so the ability to name de- demons and deities, Pastor Craig talked about Artemis, the temple of Artemis that took hundreds, a hundred years to build, and it, it lasted a thousand years, and you can still see the ruins today. The temple of Artemis was a place that, that people would go and, and worship the goddess Artemis. She was an, uh, a Greek goddess, but there were hundreds of other Greek gods and gods, gods and goddesses that people would worship. And so the ability to name these deities was an essential practice in the mindset of many of these Christian converts. And remember, in Ephesus, this is like a melting pot of so many different cultures. And so you've got people from Asia coming over who worship their gods, and people from Rome who worship their gods, and people from Greece who worship their gods, and then you have the Jews who worship Yahweh. And these Gentile Christian converts didn't have this experience that the Jews did. They didn't have the stories growing up of of God parting the waters so that Israel could escape Egypt. They didn't have the stories of, of Yahweh coming to them as a cloud by day and leading them as a pillar of fire by night to safety. But what they did have was an experience with Jesus And they knew that because of their experience with Jesus, the the transformational power in their life, that Jesus was the name above every name because they had not experienced this in their worship of other gods. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and power and authority and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one to come. The, the, the seat at the right hand of the Father, this is a position of authority. This is a position of unsurpassed authority. To be at somebody's right hand in the ancient Near East was to be a position of supreme authority, and to be at God's right hand is unsurpassed authority. And this is the God that we serve. This is the God who gives us the power to heal, the power to raise the dead, the power to cast out demons, the power to, again, speak confidently, power that's beyond our comprehension. We serve the God of the universe, and he is the name above every name, every single name. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Christ is the head of everything. Christ is the head of all creation. And just as the head of a river or the source of of a river's life, maybe it's a glacier, maybe it's snow, but that's the source. The source doesn't depict what direction the river goes. It just provides the water. It provides the life for the river. Christ also provides life for all of creation. That's why when we pray and when we come to worship and when we listen to a message and when we sing songs and when we spend time with God, we we feel refreshed and rejuvenated and we feel renewed and we feel empowered and we feel passionate because Jesus is the source of both physical and spiritual life in us. And when we go to him day after day after day, we will never 
come to a point where we are just drained because God continues to pour out his blessings on us. He continues to pour out his spirit into us. And when we allow God to do that, we can go and be Jesus to the world. We can go and pour out love and pour out grace and mercy and peace and forgiveness to those around us. And if our musicians would come up, we're going to close this morning. Paul prayed without ceasing. He prayed constantly for this church. He knew them. He knew their stories. He prayed that they would continue to love God with all of their heart. He prayed that they would continue to love each other. He prayed that they would continue to have encounters with God, that they wouldn't just have one and say, I had an encounter with God. I guess I'm a Christian. I'm going to go on and live my life. No. Paul prayed that they would continue to have encounters, that they would continue to seek encounters with God, that they would, they would long for those encounters because God longs for encounters with us as well. And that through these encounters and that these experience with, experiences with God, that we would grow in our understanding and knowledge of God's saving power through Christ, his salvation. Paul prayed that their understanding and knowledge of the God, the Christ who is seated at the position of highest authority, would come to know them, and that they would come to know him, and that this church would know the blessings of God, that they would continue to have life-changing encounters with Jesus. In church, if you desire a life-changing encounter with Jesus this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. During this next song, you can pray in your seats. You can pray down front at the altars. I'm going to ask Pastor Craig and Pastor Joni to come down and be available. If you want prayer this morning, I'll be down here too. We want to encourage you to have these life-changing encounters with Jesus. And if you haven't had a life-changing encounter with, with Jesus yet, I pray that someday soon you do, that God continues to pursue you, and that he continues to show himself to you, because God's life-changing power in your life is it, it can't be expressed. It's something so beautiful. And I hope one day you see, and I hope one day you experience that, that God would make himself known to you and that you would experience unrelenting and everlasting and unconditional love and peace. So during this next song, if you'd like prayer, you can feel free to come forward. You can pray with each other in your seats. But we're going to sing this song together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. This is our worship. Father, thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for revealing who you are in your love for us. We desire to be your church, desire to be your hands and feet. We desire to have continual encounters with you so that we could continue to be transformed more and more into your image. So Jesus, be with us today, we pray. In your powerful, life-transformational name, amen.